I love you and hate you at the same time. I'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> oh, man. First of all, I still need clarity on what, uh, like, times is. Like, we talked about it last service. It's like, yeah, we're going to have gallon times when women have times. I'm like, what is that? Like, I'm coming here to times today. Anyway, sorry. Forgive me. Just a random thought. Uh, so glad to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Emmanuel. I hail from Sandy, Oregon. Uh, my family is making the trek on their way now. So it, I see some familiar faces this morning from the last time. Uh, I, I like to say I'm the, whether you like it or not, I'm the self-proclaimed uh, brother that you are forced to bring into the family, whether you like it or not. So I'm here to stay. You got to receive it. You don't like me. I don't care because I'm your brother. I'm the little annoying brother, too. So uh, got beautiful family. I'm married coming on 10 years this year. Um, if you could throw up some pictures of my family, it'd be great. That's my that's my juicy. Bro. That's my wife. I love her. She's going to shoot me when she finds out I said that. But I don't. But y'all, when you see her come in at the end of the service, like give her a hug. It's like, I don't know how you did it dealing with him for the last 10 years. But these pictures make me so emotional when I look at them um, because, like, talking about this series, Grace and Peace, like, we have been through so many different seasons where we've needed a ton of grace and we needed a ton of God's peace to endure. Like, we've been through a lot. And so whether I probably said something, not so, anyway, uh, that has the reaction, that picture is literally a visual of what God has done in my marriage with, with her. So I love her. Um, I got three beautiful daughters, Ava, Naomi, and Trinity. Um, eight, seven, and six, or 18, 17, and 16. <laughs> they are a trip. Um, but man, I, being a girl dad is like the best thing ever. Um, we do have a son in heaven, but yeah. Th what you see, the picture, like that is their personalities in a nutshell. Like, the, the youngest one, Trinity, you do not mess with her. Like, she will fight you if you cross her incorrectly. And she's done it with me. I'm a living testimony. So y'all pray for me. I got to deal with these jokers. But no, seriously, I, when you guys see me, you see my family. You see the power of God drawing near to pain and brokenness and experiencing God's grace and peace, which I also have the humble privilege of continuing on another challenging conversation message that Lane always does to me. Like, let me talk about, like, something fun <laughs> instead of grumbling. Like, he does this to me. And then I'll be back in April again to talk about more hard stuff. I'm like, I hate you, but I love you. <laughs> so glad to be here. Um, going to go into the scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to say it again. Hopefully the next time I come, I don't have to preface this. I am a black preacher, so I need some engagement here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I need some, like, you got to talk to me. Like, don't throw anything at me. Throw it at Lane. But, like, let's, let's talk, okay? I need to make sure I'm on the right page. So Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 14 to 18, then we're going to pray. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Say all things. I don't like that. We're going to get there in a second. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as light in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be found, uh, may be poured that I did not run in vain 
or labor in vain. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering for your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you go to the places where we don't want people to see or people to know? Would we experience your grace and your peace and your love in the midst of whatever we're going through this morning? God, remind us that your mercies are new every day. God, show us your glory. Show us your power today. Speak to someone this morning. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind somebody that they are seen, known, and loved, and that you have done a miraculous work in their life, and that you actually care about the broken things of their lives. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So, back into the scriptures. I have to give some context to this. My brother Brett killed it last week, and I get to come after him and try and measure up. Uh, but we have to give some more context to this so you guys can understand why these words, do all things without grumbling, is so significant. So to start, this book is one of four letters called the prison epistles or prison letters from a prison cell. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter from a prison cell. Now, has anybody been in the corrections world before, like worked in corrections? Anybody? Perfect. You're about to know what I'm talking about. There's, I'm so glad there's been one person each service so far. So typically, in incarceration, you're not the one writing letters of encouragement to people. Like, Paul takes some kind of, like, countercultural perspective. Like, typically, if you are in incarceration, you're the ones like, hey, can you put some money on my books? I'm trying to get commissary. Like, I'm trying to make a spread with the homies so we can eat good and, and make this top rom. I wish I had a picture because they made me when I worked in the prison. It was pretty good. A lot of, a lot of salt. Not good for me. Anyway, uh, but like, it's more so like, can you do something for me? Right? But the Apostle Paul is in a prison cell penning letters to the church to encourage them. And let me pause here for a minute. What is your prison cell? What letters are you writing to people? What's that message? What are you saying in that letter to the people you love and care about? Is it, uh, man, I can't do this no more? Or it's like, ah, God has been so faithful. God has been so good. So as we go through this text, I want you to keep in mind where this letter is coming from. It's coming from the confines of incarceration. It's coming from the impending uncertainty which leads to death in this particular time frame. They, they, he's uh, incarcerated from Roman rule, which, again, he did nothing wrong but preach the gospel. And in result, he's incarcerated and facing death. So when we see this here, when we see do all things without grumbling or disputing, if there's any person that we could talk about, he is completely justified to grumble. 
He's completely justified to look at his circumstance and talk about, man, I can't believe this. Like, God, I'm here. I'm doing the good work of the Lord, and I'm out here winning people for the kingdom. I'm building tents. I'm doing all these things, and this is what I get in return. This is the cost of being a disciple is to suffer? Nah, bro. Miss me with that. I mean, that's what I would say. I probably said that a couple times. But this is what we're up against. Like, this is an individual completely justified, knowing the context of this letter can grumble. Now, I want you to catch this, though. There's a stark difference, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but there's a stark difference between grumbling and complaining. Because usually when we look at this, we're like, oh, yeah, stop complaining. Like, ah, okay, I don't want to work out today. I can't believe my barista gave me soy milk or whole milk, and she knows I'm lactose intolerant. Like, I'm paying $6.50 for a grande vanilla soy chai. That's my wife's drink. And she messed it up again. She's got that same drink for the last 10 years. I don't understand why. Give her a hard time for it. You have permission. Anyway, like, that, that's complaining. But what we see here, grumbling is, and, and this word is actually connected to the book of Exodus. Grumbling is having, like, it's murmuring, like a deep angst against God. So to, to make this a little bit more plain and simple for us to understand when we see this in the text, when Paul says, do all things without grumbling, he's talking about the children of Israel, and let alone us. But the children of Israel, they experienced deliverance. They were in captivity for 400 years. They experienced miracles on the way out of it. They experienced God with the Passover. They experienced God literally part the Red Sea, like something that's never even heard of. And they make it through, and the, and the first worship song comes from the book of Exodus. And immediately after, as soon as they get into the wilderness, because it's a foreign land, they begin to grumble. They start saying, man, I would rather die and go back to captivity where life is comfortable and things are secure than be in this foreign land. See, freedom oftentimes is foreign. That's for you to put in your back pocket. I'm, I'm going to give you guys gems this Sunday, so catch that, please. But freedom oftentimes is foreign. Like these guys were exiled out of captivity, hardship, being tasked to do hard work, persecuted, abused for the, for the master of Pharaoh. And they experienced the miraculous. But they grumbled because this area was not what they were used to. They experienced freedom. Like God even says in the, in the scriptures that I remembered the groanings of my people. Like he didn't forget about them. He just responded and delivers them. And now they're grumbling like, oh, I can't believe, like who's this Moses guy? Who does he think he is? I can't believe God would do this. I can't believe he would take us from Pharaoh. Yeah, things were a little hard, but I'd rather do that than, than be where I don't know where I'm gonna eat. Like he ends up giving manna and the word manna literally translates to what is this? It was this foreign substance to them. It's like, what is it? But like, what is the daily bread for today? That's for your back pocket too. But that's grumbling. When we have this deep angst against God. So Paul is saying, do all things without grumbling. That means suffer without grumbling. That means endure without grumbling. 
That means be single without grumbling. That means be married <laughs> without grumbling. Yeah, who said he said preach? Ah, I'm praying for you. He said preach. <laughs> but do all things without grumbling. That means going through sickness without grumbling. Somebody who's lost a child without grumbling. Somebody who experienced miscarriage without grumbling. Somebody who's experienced financial hardship without grumbling. Without saying, God, I can't stand you. Because when we do that, we are saying, I'm God and you're not when we grumble. I'm the one that reigns supreme. I'm the one that knows best. I'm the one that's in control. I'm the one that knows the best outcomes. I know the best way to get to this thing. That's when we do and we grumble. And I'm guilty. I complain a lot too. But I've been guilty of grumbling. And, and I've given this message a subtitle called From Grumbling to Grateful. See, when we grumble, y'all, we miss the blessing in the now. When we grumble, we are missing out on what God is doing. When we grumble, we literally reject every single moment of God's faithfulness in our lives. When we grumble, we have taken our eyes off of the promise keeper and the promise maker and put it onto our present circumstance. That our present circumstance, our present reality has become the thing that reigns supreme and not God. Yeah, that's grumbling. But watch this. We, we have a solution. We have a solution. Number one, if we, since we're talking about grace and peace, we're talking about doing all things without grumbling. We're talking about being blameless in a generation, in a world that's wicked. We're talking about shining bright as lights. Is contentment is the answer. For, for us young adults, I see a ton of you this, this service. But like all of us, quite frankly, like we, we live in this more age where we're constantly chasing after the next thing. Like, I, like we, we, we want more. More social media, more likes, more TikTok, more food, even though I'm losing weight. I'm down 23 pounds. Y'all can clap for that one. Yeah. But we want more. We're not satisfied. We're not satisfied with what we have. We're not at peace with what we have. But contentment is the answer. I, I, I know in a couple weeks you guys will get here, so I'm not going to go too far deep into it. But Philippians 4, 11, 13 says, not, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret. Say secret. Oh, y'all are engaged this morning. I love it. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, some of you may be guilty like me. Actually, no, you guys are not. I've been guilty of misquoting and misrepresenting the scripture, especially when I did sports. I'm like, I'm about to run through somebody's face. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Mm. I can do all things through Christ. 
I, I got issues. <laughs> but that's not what he's talking about here. In context of this book, as we've discovered, he's written this book and other letters in a prison cell. And he's learned the secret of life and being content with where he's at, whether he is to die or whether he is to live. Like he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is completely satisfied and content with his life. And being content with the Father is what gives him strength. Contentment, the secret of life, that's countercultural. Instead of wanting more, I would love to have a Lamborghini, but I'm content with my Honda Pilot 2004, rolling 200,000 miles, and I'm trekking. <laughs> but I'm content. Like, I, I'm going to continue to follow the Dave Ramsey baby steps. I'm going to continue to be at peace with my, with my current situation. I'm going, to con I'm going to be content. This is enough, more than enough. So when we are content, we literally delight. Say delight. We delight in our current reality because we have found peace with the Father. So instead of looking for to the thing to the left or to the right, we are craving for more. We're hungering and longing for more. We are at complete and total peace with the Father. The anecdote to grumbling is contentment. And I also want to encourage you to find peace where you're at. Young people, there's a lot of you. I know the season of singleness is hard. If you were anything like me, going to church with young people, young adults, like, okay, I had a dream last night. And I saw this girl, she was wearing a white shirt and she wore some Jordans. I'm a sneakerhead. And, and I'm looking for her during worship. If I see her sink with her hand, I know it's her. I got, she's, she's the one. And then I, I got another dream. She was wearing a Nike's hoodie today. Like, no. Be at peace with where you're at. Enjoy the season, young people. Enjoy the season of where you're at. Enjoy the season of singleness. Enjoy it. Delight in it. Married couples, those on the brink of having children, enjoy it because you will be awakened every two hours. Y'all pray for Lane because he told me he had a rough night last night. But enjoy. Enjoy the season. It's okay to desire for more, to, to desire the things of God, should I say. It's okay to want the things of God. But it's also equally important to be content with where you're at. Like Paul was like, was like man, I, I'd be cool if I'm out with my family. I would love to be with the Philippian church. But I'm cool here in this prison cell because the jailer got saved. And I'm, I'm encouraged, I get to encourage my beloved. I'm cool with where I'm at. I'm content with where I'm at. So be content. Contentment is the answer. Number two. Set apart. Say set apart. First Peter 1, 15 to 16 says, But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Now, I want you to catch this, because holiness is talking about being set apart as well. So be set apart as I'm set apart. As we're talking about, as, as Paul talks about, in verse 15, being children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as light in the world. 
You have to be set apart. You cannot look like the culture. You can't behave like the culture. Your conduct cannot reflect the culture. You cannot walk and move and think like the culture. You were called to stand out. You were called to be set apart because God is set apart. Like, I'm strange, so I definitely stand out like a sore thumb. But be set apart. Be holy as he is holy. You were called to shine bright. Like, in, in light of, you know, this is Black History Month, and, and one widely quoted sermon clip from this that we, we see it probably on every Instagram post. But I want you to catch the significance of this. It comes from a sermon, Loving Your Enemies. It says, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So if we are talking about being not like the world, being set apart, being without blemish, we cannot reciprocate darkness and wickedness. We cannot behave in those ways. We can't. We cannot bring on those mentalities. People should know us for who we serve and not what we're against. It, it breaks my heart. I made joke of it last service, but it literally breaks my heart that people look at the church with such angst because they can clearly say what we're against. And they don't even know who we represent. They even question, and quite frankly, it concerns me. Where, we look, where I look and it's like, dang, does it even look like we acknowledge that Jesus was a person? Can we start there? Be known for who you serve and not what you're against. Worship his presence instead of worshiping his hands. Yes, we want the blessing. Yes, we want more of God. Yes, we want to see the miraculous. Yes, those things are good. But it must take, his presence must take precedence. That's a nugget. That, his presence. Ooh. Ooh, shut up. His presence must take precedence. Seriously. Be set apart. Number three. You are called. Say, I'm called. Say it again like you believe it. Say, I'm called. I'm called. Even, even with you saying it twice, I, I, I sense in the spirit that there's someone in here that does not believe that. That does not believe that they're called. Your story matters. Your story matters. You didn't walk through any, all of that stuff for no reason. Like Paul talks about, like, my suffering's not in vain. I get to boast in my weakness. Your story matters. You are called. Like as Lane was talking about um, groups, and I was reminded uh, of a quote from my, my therapist. Well, both my, I, yeah. That's how much therapy I got. I got two of them. 
One's more of a mentor. But I encourage you, like, it is life-changing. But he, he talks about Genesis 3, and, and this is in connection with community. This is why community is so important. If you have not signed up for a group today, please do so. But he, he broke down Genesis chapter 3 in talking about the fall. And he says, shame leads to separation. Like, shame is what separates us. But separation leads to secrecy. See, when we have so much shame, we isolate ourselves from community. We isolate ourselves from relationship. And when we isolate ourselves, we're living in secret because we have something that's like, man, if they really knew this about me, would they love me? But watch this. You're still called. If they really knew I had an addiction, that I struggle with porn or masturbation, or I overspend or overeat, would they really love me? You're still called. God wants to use a very broken thing in your life for his glory. He wants to redeem it so that you have a story to talk about. Would these people really love me if they, if they knew I experienced miscarriages? Would these people really love me if, if they knew my marriage wasn't what they thought it was? Would, would these people really love me if they found out I, I had this traumatic experience? You're still called. You're still called. Paul once was a Pharisee, actually was killing Christians, killing the church. And God and him, he had an encounter with God, radically transforms his life. And he authors most of the New Testament. So much so we are encouraged today in 2023 from this letter that came from a prison cell. Your story matters. Looking at this text again. What letters are you writing? What is your prison cell? Are you content with where you're at and encouraged for what's next? And are you encouraging others around you with your story? Matthew 5, 13, 15 says, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it, under, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Shine bright. Shine bright. You are a light. Because you have experienced the power of God for your life, that light is not meant to be kept for yourself. Like fruit is meant to be enjoyed because fruit is the substance of a source. You have fruit, we bear fruit, it's meant to be distributed. You have light, it's not meant to be contained. It's like, ooh, look at my little holy bubble. We got all the lights. Yeah, all the Christians right here. No, go out into all the world. Go. There's action. There's action with that. You are light. Your story is a representation of light. Like, it's like, man, this person, they, I, I cannot believe it. They experienced child loss. And look how God is drawn near to their brokenness. And that person gets to be light for the person that experienced the same thing. This person has overcome cancer. Man, I encountered God. He met me in the hospital room. And now I have a story. 
to encourage the next person. Man, I experienced divorce and God met me in my brokenness and betrayal. And that very story is the very thing that helps other people walk through similar waters. You have a story and your story matters. You have been through so many things and it's not in vain. So be light. I, uh, Brent and I, uh, we were talking before, my kids were like, you know, shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> when I, when I, like, shine bright. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of what God has done in your life. Like, we get to brag on our Lord because of that. Like, man, God, you've healed me. You set me free. God, you've redeemed me. You, you, you captured my heart. You met me in addiction. You met me when I was strung out. God, you met me at my lowest moment. And because of that, all I can do is boast in you. Because of that, all I can do is worship the Father. Because of that, I want people to know the love that I've experienced. Like, I use my wife as an example. Like, I, I boast in her because, man, one, she's beautiful. Two, she's got to put up with me. But, like, because, <laughs> because I've experienced connection and love and intimacy with my wife like man I want everybody to know her it's like man that woman right there whoo same with God oh man I met a love that you can't comprehend I found hope in darkness I found a joy that's unspeakable. I found peace that goes beyond understanding. I found love that is unconditional, that is not based off of my merit and works. I found a God who loves me where I'm at and will walk with me where I'm going. Yeah, you can go ahead and clap for that. I found a God who will meet me, step into my brokenness, and transform it so that he can use it. I, I, I found a God, I found God and he's, he loves me so much that he's picked up my broken pieces and, and, and filled the cracks with gold and uses it as a drink offering. Like Paul then later talks about being poured out. Like God wants to use you. He wants to use you. I, I don't think you understand this. He wants to use you because you are called. You're his daughter, you're his son, you're his child. And just by off of that alone, we find joy and we find purpose. And it's in the journey we get to discover, God, this is what I was made for. But our identity is found in him, not the things that we do. I want you to catch that. Young people, I know, God, I don't understand why they say, all right, you're 18, you're going to college, cool. Figure out what you're going to do with your life. Go to the guidance counselor, do this assessment. Ah, military. Here you go. Oh, you're a counselor. Here you go. Engineer, you're smart. There you go. That's my sister. You like people? Go preach. <laughs> you're not really good with math. Like, just preach. <laughs> you got accounts for that. Like, we, we've, we've been in this, we're in this place where we have to figure everything out. But there's grace. There's grace for you. Release yourself from the pressure to perform and to get everything figured out. And embrace the fact that you are called. God's going to show you. So lastly, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. Paul, again, talks about this in 2 Corinthians And this is the amplified version because I want you to understand the depth of this. 
He said, but he said to me, my grace, my favor and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you, sufficient against any danger and enables you to hear, uh, enables you to bear the trouble manfully. For my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Therefore, I will be all the more gladly to glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities that the strength and power of Christ, the glory, the Messiah may rest. Yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. Delight in your weakness. God delights in your weakness. He wants your weakness. He desires your weakness. He wants the very thing that you're insecure about. He wants to use the very thing that you're ashamed about. Because there's a story behind that. Why? Because he's in it. Like, again, there's a difference between grumbling and complaining. Grumbling, being against God, rejecting him, complaining, casting your cares upon the Lord. Like, we all have things that we're needing God to do. Some of us, we're contending for children to come back. Some of us are contending for a good report. Some of us are contending for our marriage to be restored. Some of us are contending for health. All of those things, God says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. I care about the things you care about more than you do. And I'm the one that has the power to do the work. So delight in your weakness, y'all. His grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to be strong. Kill that persona of I have to have it all figured out, that I have to white knuckle it and figure things out. Kill that. Embrace vulnerability. Embrace weakness. Because that's where you get to meet God. At the lowest point of your life, that's where you get to see God. So I want to pray for you. Well, we're going to do communion. But at the end of service, if you want prayer, if there's something, you're like, man, this is my weakness. This is my insecurity. This is my struggle. And I want to see God meet me here. I want you to come. I invite you to come pray with the prayer team. And I'll even be up here myself. But I also want to challenge you to, to linger a little bit, to worship. Because God has something for you in weakness. So let's pray. If you have about eyes closed. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace that we get to find peace and joy in suffering. God, help us to do all things without grumbling. Help us to endure all things without grumbling. Help us to trust that you are good. Help us to believe that you got everything under control when even though things don't make sense. And Father, forgive me for the moments where I did grumble. Oh God. God, help us today embrace our limitations and weaknesses so that we can see the manifest power of God show up in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank you?